Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. And let us inhale the work of Christ, the work of God, the faithfulness of God, the presence of God, the presence of God in this place, in our lives, and around us. Speaking in the voice of God, I speak to you from the depths of eternity. Before the world was formed, I am. You hear me in the depths of your being, where I have taken up residence. I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. I, your Lord and Savior, am alive within you. Learn to tune in to my living presence by seeking me in silence. As you celebrate the wonder of my birth in Bethlehem, celebrate also your rebirth into eternal life. This everlasting gift was the sole purpose of my entering your sin-stained world. Receive my gift with awe and humility. Take time to explore the vast dimensions of my love. Allow thankfulness to flow freely from your heart in response to my glorious gift. Let my peace rule in your heart and be thankful. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome to the last service, live service of this year. Let's give God a hand of offering for being faithful this year, the third week of Advent. And for the next two weeks, we'll take a little break for all the workers that work so tirelessly this whole year. Thank you for your sacrifice and your service. Uh, Whether you're joining us online or in person, welcome to the last service. Let's put this uh, on the screen. Tish Warren, in her Advent devotional, says this about the culmination of Advent and the season we're immersed in. She says, in Advent, we join the people of Israel for the coming Messiah. We reenact their yearning for an anticipation of the coming King. Though we know the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' first coming, we enter into confusion, longing, frustration, and a sense of dreams deferred that the people of Israel felt year after year, generation after generation. We prepare for the joy of Christmas by waiting on the dark streets of Bethlehem, our eyes straining to glimpse the dawning of that everlasting light. All God's people pray. Amen. Although at the center, at the arrival of Jesus, comes with great anticipation and great tidings of great joy, yet in the periphery, off-center, we often missed that the heart of the Christmas story at the first snow well is a story that also lies a benchmark of departure, grief, and loss. 
all families, especially parents, know that the arrival, put this picture up here, of their beautiful children is a cause of celebration. This is me holding Josh at two months. And we celebrate and we anticipate their arrival. But if we're being honest, it's also a call to a loss and departure. All parents know this. Few months after our oldest was born, in the winter like this, I, at midnight, looked at my wife and said, hey, what, how about we go get some Korean food in the city real quick? And my wife looked at me, deer caught in a head like, like I was crazy. And this was 2007. And she said, dude, we have a baby. I said, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. It's a cause for a celebration, but in, in many ways we had to, it was the end of big things. I haven't been to a adult Oni resort in 16 years. And we won't be able to go to my favorite adult inclusive resort in Cancun, Palace America, I forget, I forget what it was even called. It's like a white, they have the best bolognese that they deliver to your room with a, a suite so large, so spacious. And I, we won't be able to go back for another seven years. That would mean 20, almost 25 years we are restricted to the family resorts. I don't want to go hear baby crying all the time. Though I love your babies, all your babies here. You know, just letting you know. You have to, it's the, it was the end of adult inclusive resorts. And for all you families, grieve that. For another 18 years for many of you. But it was the end of small things, too. It was the end of midnight snack runs, catching late-night movies. And in many ways, for a long season, it was the loss of autonomy and agency. Are you even a person, or are you a servant of this little tyrant that cries? Every minute is hungry. Every minute it's sad. What is this thing? How is this a gift? even though in many ways it is. You see, you can't fully appreciate Jesus' arrival apart from being truly immersed in the drama of his departure and the temporal migration from eternity to temporality. That's a very nerdy thing to say, but it's true. There is no Adventus without Exodus. Though from a vertical perspective and lens, the shepherds and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and all of humanity rejoices. But from a vertical perspective, heaven mourns. It's at the goodbye to the morning star, the treasure of all creation. So, in short, there is no arrival apart from departure. Thus, the call of Christmas is both a call to celebrate and grieve.
today I want to talk about the wisdom we can glean. Tell someone next to you, glean. Just means a glimpse to look into the first Noel, the first Christmas, the nativity, the origin of the heart of Noel. Before all the festivities, before how we've been clouded by the message for two millennials. Because in my 30s, and I've been, at, basically I've been attending school until my late 30s. As you know, I've been very confused. My pursuit of knowledge has been, you know, voracious and, con and confusing at the same time. And for most of my life, my life was a pursuit of knowledge. And truthfully, I have more knowledge than most of you. Except for certain disciplines, as you know, I did get the organ wrong last time, but I said in the body, but liver, okay, it's bigger than the brain, fine, okay. I'm human too. But most knowledge, yeah, I've been in pursuit of knowledge. Knowledge is how do, I, how do you understand the world economically, sociopolitically. But you know what, as I age now in my, into my mid-40s, I realize knowledge and having a schematic, critical lens to look at the world and to understand the world, that's what knowledge is, to understand and absorb the world, doesn't really change your life. That's why today I said I want to talk about the wisdom. Tell someone next to you, wisdom. Because wisdom is about how you live your life. And how you understand it. And that's the problem with young people. You think you understand it? I got it. I got it. I tell my kids, stop lecturing me. I got it. No, you don't got it. You don't got You don't understand. Yes, I understand. That's the argument usually with my sons. I understand. Stop, stop. Wisdom is how you live your life. No matter how much knowledge. The Bible says the knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Wisdom is how you live your life. How it impacts the people around you, the world, and the people you want to love the most. That's why wisdom is paramount. The only thing I care about these days and into my 40s and into the end of my life is I want to acquire wisdom because I want my life to affect others around me. I don't want to be smarter or the smartest person in the room. Many people in New York want to be the smartest person, but that doesn't matter. Being the smartest person in the room just makes you lonely. But being the wisest person makes you the most loving. Because it makes you see people where they are and where they're at. So today, I, I want to look at the wisdom we can glean from the first Noah. So let's look to this picture here of Thomas Kincaid's penning of the first Noel, the nativity. And because the Gospels all paint different scenarios of the nativity scene. There's not just one story. So, but the culmination of the nativity, if you look at it at this beautiful painting by Thomas Kincaid, you see groups that are gathered together that had to depart to arrive. And in many ways, all of you had to depart from somewhere to arrive where you are today. 
in the journey of faith in your life. And if you want to gain a wisdom, true wisdom, how to change your life from the nativity, you have to see what everyone there has in common. What does Jesus incarnate through kenosis as an infant? The holy young people, couple Mary and Joseph, and the Magi all have in common. Simple. They all departed from the comforts of home to answer a call. The first Noel was marked. Much as by loss, it was by joy. The Magi had to leave Babylon from the east to come very middle, searching for a god they only read about, seekers. A long journey. And then they were met with resistance. Seekers who come to church seeking and pursuing truth don't realize that they're entering a demonic spiritual battle for their own souls. George Otis, a Christian anthropologist, says that the evil one literally only deals with a certain group of people. He first has three groups. First group are people that are completely muggleized. They have no proclivities, no propensity towards spiritual things. The enemy has them so bound by the material world or ideological systems that they are not a threat for salvation at all. The enemy simply leaves them alone. The two groups the enemy focuses to resist are the seekers that are seeking the truth. Their lives become worse. No one tells someone seeking truth that their life will be persecuted, that their life will find resistance. George Otto says, and the second person that's the most resisted are the people who are trying to help others find Christ. They're the ones most resistant. There are many of you here think that my message is about reaching out to someone else and go on a mission today, like the holy couple, like Jesus. But the truth is, many of you are already been immersed into this drama of loss by answering a call. Many of you have reached out to friends for many years, family members, to find greater resistance. And sometimes people look like they're about to really make it. Then they disappear. And people you trusted and invested into and prayed for Somehow, it doesn't work out. Or you get wounded, like, this, like the Magi who, who escaped death when King Herod find out that they found the Messiah only to try lie to him, to evade him. For all those serving in ministry, like the godly couple, Mary and Joseph, who answer the call. I mean... 
sometimes we don't focus on the loss and the exodus and the departure and the grief of Christmas. And we miss what many of us might be feeling at Christmas. For Jesus, he had to depart omnipotence for impotence, having all power to no power. For Joseph and Mary, they departed a normal, reputable life for a life of scandal. For the Magi, they were greeted with resistance and manipulation as seekers, like most many first believers who experience the honeymoon Christian life experience, that in the church there's sin and evil. I want you to look at this painting and look at the point and beauty of it, but also understand that their arrival comes with loss. And so does yours and mine. That's very important to understand the call of Christmas. It's call because what the call of Christmas in short it's called to what? Celebrate? Yes. It's also a call to grieve. And some of us might have to grieve those parts in this season. There's a second thing, though. Tell someone, tell someone next to you, too bad. Yeah, mission. That's, this, is, this is all about the Great Commission. This is about God saving the world. You're soldiers of the light. There's this whole movement called Soldiers of Light in Korea. K-pop stars, my friends know. I had, I had no idea who they were. I, until I started watching Korean dramas, I'm like, wow. That's a pretty big deal now, I think, now, as I watch more Korean dramas. But soldiers of light. So a lot of times in the church, we, we, we make it transactional, and we talk about production and efficacy, and we talk about being soldiers of light, and therefore our suffering and the casualties and the wounding and the parts of us that enter this turbulence and in the trenches, we, we simply say, suck it up. Just say, hey, too bad, boo-hoo. Be tough. Be like the Terminator, you know? Eyes popping out, arms gone, but you're still on mission. Right? That's sort of the uh, 21st century missiological culture. Be a martyr for Christ. But when I look at Scripture... I see that lens. I do see the call to die. <laughs> I mean, there's a song like that, called to die. When he called, uh, I forget which, what it's called, but, and to carry our cross. And that's, that's part of the gospel story, that, that this life is temporal, right? We're living for eternity. Yes, but our God, the heart of God, the Father heart of God, is not so callous to say, hey, stop crying. God understands how hard it is to put yourself out there, to live with courage, to live as a witness every day, to get up and do it again every day. And if you look at this text carefully, there is a grace, kisses of mercy that you see in this passage where God doesn't just leave us to do mission on our own. There are comforts. So if 
The first lesson we learned was that the heart of Christmas story lies a call to departure and loss for the sake of the world. The second part is what? It's the fact that there is so much grace and encouragement at the heart of Noel. And empathy. Because look at this passage carefully. If you look at the passage at verse 12 to 14, it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a what? In a dream. So look at verse 12 and 13, the parallel. There are two dreams. Supernatural guidance. Because what? God cares about the task at hand. God cares about the suffering. God knows how hard it is. Tell someone next to you, God knows how hard it is. Right? Two dreams and two verses. Put this picture up. In the third grade, after immigrating to the United States from Seoul, I broke my arm where, where it actually required surgery. If you look at my left arm, there's a scar because you have to actually place a needle to hold my bones from growing because I was, I was a third grader. And it was actually pretty fun, though, because I, 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 had, I skipped school and went to preparing for surgery for like a week or two where there was Nintendo. I was playing like Mario Brothers. And, and they said you can go to the, you know, the snack bar, get ice cream. It was better than being home. And, um, but it was frustrating at the same time because I just learned a new language. And third grade is the first time consciously I began to dream in English. I can't even speak Korean anymore, barely could. My wife says, stop talking to me Korean. I have no idea what you're talking about. But it was, the first, it was a transition. So, so it was difficult to learn a new language, to, to build rapport with friends at school, especially growing up in the cities in, in Manhattan in the 80s. And, and um, I felt in many ways very alone. And so when I came back from the hospital, my teacher gave me about 10 minutes to explain to the class what happened because I broke my arm at school because a friend brought a bike to the school. And honestly, I just learned to ride a bike like a year before. And he said, I said, yo, bro, can I ride it? I didn't say, yo, bro, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I rode the bike right in front of school after uh, recess and it didn't have any brakes. And I was going down a hill. And when you look at my arm in, with a cast at school, people are just like, what happened to you? But tr truthfully, it, it was really scary because in Manhattan, there, it's not like a long road, you know. The, the school was leading to a street. So there were no breaks. And I was telling this to my class. So I said I purposely crashed it in front of the old couple. Because if I kept going, I would have most likely gotten hit by a car. So I wanted people to understand the genius of this decision. 
how I saved my life in the third grade. And the thing was, it was the first time I ever spoke publicly in English. I had no idea what I was even talking about, but I was ex explaining. But there's something that happened, magically happened after there was laughter, there, there, were un, there was understanding, and my arm was still broken. It wasn't like miraculously healed. But I felt for the first time in a very long time, not alone, understood and seen. And it changed everything about the trajectory of the school year. Because I somehow felt partially known. These supernatural dreams that God sends to Joseph and the Magi didn't make their call any easier. It didn't resolve the Magi running from Herod, being tortured, or death. And it didn't make what Joseph and Mary had to find, the story they found themselves in, 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 in scandal, and eventually Mary having to experience her son die on a cross. There's something about being seen and understood when God says, I understand, and I'm here with you. That's what the Bible says 365 times, right? Do not fear, for I am with you. There is a super, super power to being understood and seen. And that's partially what the Christmas story is about. In our loss and grief, even for an altruistic, transcending arc like salvation in the first Noel, the wisdom we glean is what? Second lesson we learn is that remember that at the heart of Noel also lies divine encouragement and healing for those marked by loss and grief. Oh, will your calling become any easier? No. Jesus still had to go to the cross. Mary and Joseph still had to endure rumors of scandal. Magi still had to run for their lives. But there was encouragement. Heaven was cheering for them. The heart of God was close to them. The presence of God was near. Tell someone next to you, the presence of God is near. What a lot of people don't tell people who are beginning their Christian life or in the midst of a long journey in their Christian life is that Advent is a reminder of arrival and departure, Adventists and Exodus, to celebrate in grief and loss. Amanda here in her book writes this. Oped says this, Amanda Oped. But I was made, but was I made for disappointment, for the delusionment that sets in when a task I've undertaken doesn't come to full fruition? What about our garden? Was I made to be met by failure, to see my efforts wasted, to feel the sting of fruitless venture again and again? Was I made for the exhaustion, frustration, and burnout that so often accompany work 
in our day and age? Was I made for the defeat of all my hopes and dreams and aspirations? I was made to plant seeds, but was I made to reap thorns and thistles? At the heart of Christmas story, that's the question we ask. Is this call worth it? When I thought victory and breakthrough and promise was at the end of the tunnel, but sometimes when I find thorns and thistles, frustrations and delay and detours, that's the angst, the chronic anxiety that, that's marked in the human experience. But when you pay close attention to the culmination of the salvation story, the greatest suffering, Isaiah 53 says, says that by his stripes we are what? Healed. The crown of thorns is what Jesus reaped when he planted seeds. But it was his suffering. It was his loss and grief that brought salvation. And it is our loss and grief that brings the salvation of others. As we relate and understand the heart of Christ. As we end in 2 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, 7. Will you stand with me as we close? Apostle Paul says, Praised be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so then we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Today, I invite you to lift your hands with me to God with all your loss and grief and allow the cross of Christ to mark you. Let the loss and grief and the delays of mission and answering the call of your own lives, the woundings, remind you that no suffering is wasted. Not an ounce of delay and frustration does not create a greater capacity of empathy and compassion for the world and healing for so many. Know this today at the heart of Christmas. We celebrate Emmanuel. Because not only does he save, which is important, but more importantly, he understands. That is more important 
than just salvation and just forgiveness. Because when he understands, it means that he cares about how how we became the way we became, why we're hurting, what others did to us and what we did to others and what happened. He cares about the journey itself. And that is more healing than anything else. So will you give your grief and loss today and let God use it to bring healing like Jesus did for the world? Oh, heart of mine, why must you stray from one so fair, one so fair, you run away. One more time, you have to bear the heaviness of the heart of mine. Come back home, you've been too long out on your own. in-person service of the year. Remember that Advent reminds us and foreshadows both a, a reason to celebrate but also a reason to grieve. Advent will precede the crucifixion. But 
as we prepare for arrival and departure. In death comes the resurrection. The most powerful thing about Christianity to me is that our sin is great, but God's love is greater. Our doubt is great, but God's faith is greater. Our despair is great, but God's hope is greater. The enemy will whisper to us in different seasons of our lives, it's not worth it. Your despair is too great. Your sin is too great. And that's when we remember Advent points to the promise that God is greater. Amen? Will you bow your heads today for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's give God a clap offering for the end of the year. Bless you. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.